Welcome to the South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Matt Minharel. The South Carolina Building the Bridge podcast exists as a platform for the voices of apostolic leadership. Here, guests respond to racial and cultural topics from a biblical, historical, and experiential perspective. The South Carolina District Building the Bridge ministry seeks to contribute to the continued advancement of diversity within the United Pentecostal Church International by effectively working towards evangelizing the African-American and Black community. This work involves promoting the inclusion and cultural affirmation within the South Carolina District while providing resources and advice to UPCI ministers on matters of importance to the African-American and Black community. By working with National Building the Bridge leadership, local pastors, and ministers, including those newly licensed, South Carolina District Building the Bridge endeavors to promote the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. For more information, visit buildingthebridgeministries.com or contact me at scbtbministries at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in again to the South Carolina District Building the Bridge podcast. I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Pastor Dave Henry, who is the founder and senior pastor of the Pentecostals of Stone Mountain. He has an intense dedication and commitment to the word of God and prayer. Pastor Henry's ministry is birthed out of a passion for the cross to lead others in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. He is the co-founder of Reach. R-E-A-C-H, Community Development Center, uh, and that stands for Reaching, Extending, and Assisting the Community to Hope, which is actively serving the city of Stone Mountain, Georgia, and surrounding areas. Pastor Henry is an ordained minister in the United Pentecostal Church International. He serves as presbyter for Section 8 and is also a member of the Diversity Committee for the Georgia District, UPCI. He is currently the director for Building the Bridge Ministries and serves in many other capacities in the community at large. Pastor Henry and his wife Tonda have three daughters and one son and one son-in-law, and they currently reside in Atlanta, Georgia. Brother Henry, thanks again for agreeing to sit down with me today. How are you doing? I'm well, sir. Thanks for asking. And how are you? I'm doing very well, very well. Um, to, to say that I'm excited to have this conversation with you is uh, probably an understatement, but I'm um, looking forward to uh, where the Lord leads us tonight. And, and I hope that this episode, um, like the last one and the ones in the future, will be helpful to those interested in all that building the bridge is, um, reaching their communities, and um, just doing what they can for the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, from that that first episode with uh, Pastor Gann, that we just had a really tremendous response um, here locally in South Carolina, as well as uh, you know outside of the state, folks reaching in and 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 saying how helpful um, you know they believe a platform like this is um, for not only just for building the bridge, but in in, in helping those interested in reaching their community. So um, I, I was excited to get that feedback and to receive that feedback. Um, from those who tuned in, and so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, what we can glean here in this episode. Um, in in terms of the why, so th there may be some who are licensed here uh, in South Carolina, 
that may have been licensed in the past few years or so that may not be familiar with the work of building a bridge ministry. And what I wanted to do was take this opportunity to really answer the broad question, you know, what is the purpose of building the bridge and have you um, answer that, especially as, as you're, you're currently serving as the national building the, the bridge director. But before we get into that, I do like to know a little bit about um, our guest. And so I know I read your, your bio, but just kind of, if you will, discuss your early ministry, um, you know, including your calling, your passion, any challenges you may have faced, if you wanted to dive into that here briefly. Um, sure. So I moved from Jamaica um, in the mid-80s and uh, moved to Fort Lauderdale. And um, I was a teenager then, and um 55, just turned 55 last um Sunday, March the 12th, and uh, birthday, thank birthday. you, thank you, sir, thank <laughs> you so much, and I was with um, Pastor G. Oliver Barnes there for a few years, then in 1989, I was attending a Billy Bridge conference in New Orleans, Louisiana, I met um, Tonda Henry, which is my wife now, we married the next, the, the year after that. Um, so less than a year after we got married and, um, we met in August, um, the conference used to be in, in August then, and we got married in December the 1st. And so she was off at Mississippi State, um, in school to be a teacher. And so after we got married, she moved to Fort Lauderdale because she, um, she wanted to, um, so she moved to Fort Lauderdale with me and, while there, she was trying to attend Nova University, and she had to do a whole lot of classes over. And so we we decided we we're going to move to Mississippi in 1993. We just had um, our, our we we had a first um, child, which is my firstborn, Jada. And so we moved there to Mississippi. And while there in Mississippi. Um, Bishop Mansfield, um, he actually the one that married us in 1990, December the 1st. He started to um, involve me in the ministry, in fact, immediately. And um, uh, allowed me to see like one of the ministers there, which I didn't even think I was, but he had me on the platform and had me involved in preaching and, and leading the services and things of that nature. So um, a year later, we moved to Atlanta and attended Pastor Alonzo Terry's church and um, helped him there and continue in ministry and helped there um, for a few years. Then we moved from him and moved to a pastor here locally, um, Dr. Jerry Patterson. And then from there, we were with him for a few years and a friend of mine, uh, Mark McLeod, he pastors a church in Virginia, asked us if we would consider coming and assisting him, which we did. And forgive me, I sometimes I lose track of years. My wife would tell you date, time, and year. So um, make a long story short, we moved there. I think it was sometime in 03 or somewhere there. Um, and so we, we left Mississippi and come to, we had a second child by then, Davia. And um, so we moved there. Um, at that point, we had three children, Davia, uh, Jada, Davia, and Rayma, my third daughter. 
And so we didn't stay long there because while I was there assisting my friend, I felt I had a dream that the Lord was going to call me to pastor. And I never wanted to pastor, never had a desire to pastor. I was a good assistant in helping people all through the years. It, not assistant, but helping in the ministry. It wasn't a design, um, the designated assistant. And so we, we in in that dream, I told called Pastor Bishop uh, Doctor um, Patterson and told him. He said, "Well, seems like you need to move back to Georgia." And I had a vision. In fact, where we were currently, um, our church is. I had a vision of that same street. We don't have that same building I saw in the vision, but we were in the same street, just a few blocks down. And in '05, we started the church, which would be 24 years ago. And God has really blessed the work there. In a short time, we 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 had a lot of people. We were in 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 less than uh, maybe uh, ten years. We were over a hundred persons in attendance. In fact, um, we were like one seventy nine, eighty nine. So, you know, in the midst of all of that growth, we moved from the hotel room to a, a storefront, then to a building, um, uh, um, and. You know, just a lot of challenges from with people and and um, some, you know, um, just so much challenges. And in the process, we lost over a hundred people. And uh, but God preserved us, preserved our church, and we're in a, a better place. We don't have as much people now, but we in a lot better place. And trying to rebuild the church as a result, and God is really helping us to rebuild the church. Now you you mentioned that you moved to you moved from Jamaica in the 1980s, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, if, as I understand it, uh, building the bridge began, and, and maybe you can shed uh, more light on the history of it. It began in the 70s, I believe. It it, it in 1974 to um, the 76 was when um, it was first established um, under. So the late Bishop Urshan. Um, he was instrumental. Um, him and um, J. T. J. T. Pugh, um, Jock DeYoung's, um, Jock uh, DeArt, and um, uh, Reverend Cupid um, helped to assist an uh, uh, African American pastor, George Coleman. They formed the first committee to reach into the black community. Now, now, as I understand it, this was in and just kind of shed some light on the. The you know the the impetus behind it, but there was um or the motivation behind it. There was a uh, as I understand it, an, an influx of uh, African Americans into the UPC, um and uh, you know seems as if the organization at that time saw an opportunity um to evangelize that community and to see that community um you know represented in the within the organization. Do I have that? Yeah, am I tracking correctly? Yeah, yes, you you are. And also, if I may, had um, Jot Deongs at the time was the omission director um, for um, the United Pentecostal Church, and um, he appointed um, Brother J T Pugh to launch an ethnic outreach geared towards reaching the Hispanics and African American communities as well. And that was done also um, around nineteen. 76 um in that time frame as well okay so we're we're talking you know 50 years this and i i specifically wanted that to ask you those questions because you know we're talking this ministry has been around for um uh, 50 years 
And, and, and I mentioned that because I don't, I, I think it's helpful for people to understand the longevity um, and the impact that this ministry has had on the United Pentecostal Church and National, um, and still to this day, the impact that it continues to have. Um, I want to read something from uh, Bishop Bernard's book, Anchor Points. Uh, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to read that book or... No, I've um, not. No, sir. Okay. Well, he, he has a chapter in there on the UPCI's racial and ethnic uh, affirmation. And and uh, a lot of this language may sound familiar to you because he um, uh, they included it in the um, United Pentecostal Church National um, Manual as a position paper. Um, but he says, the United Pentecostal Church International teaches that racism is a sin. Uh, we must preach and teach against race, racism in all its forms, eliminate all discrimination and prejudice, and promote intentional inclusion at all levels of participation and leadership. We strive for our churches and ministers to reflect the racial and ethnic diversity of our society and our leadership to reflect the diversity of our churches. Much has been accomplished in recent years, but much more needs to be accomplished. To this end, we desire to increase awareness and sensitivity regarding matters of race and culture and to create a welcoming environment, end quote. Um, when, I, when, we, when you and I sat down and we talked at the general conference in Orlando in 2022, you said something that was very powerful to me uh, when, when explaining that I thought was powerful anyway, when explaining um, sort of the purpose behind building the bridge and your words were to listen, listen, to understand. Can you talk a little bit about um, what, what you mean by that and what, uh, what that means in terms of this ministry? Sure. So um, I think so often we listen to people to refute their argument or to rebuff their argument or just to just for to to dismiss their concerns. But when we listen to understand people's experience, um, then we can better able to understand how severe the plight may have been, um, to understand their their hurt, their pain. And those things are important. I and 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 that wasn't an original statement of mine, but I use it quite frequently, um, and many I've even reused it, which is fine because it wasn't an original of mine in the first place. But a guy I was listening to um, National Public Radio some some time ago, long time ago, and the guy said, um, and you know that any conflict that he went to referee in any country. He said he, 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 he could never solve an issue with, with, with competing groups of people or countries or whatever until both sides are willing to sit down and are willing to listen and understand each other's um, grievances or each other's um, issues. He said if any conflict is ever referee, if, if, if sides come into a discussion and they just want to just argue but if they're willing to listen you know what understand where I'm coming from listen understand um my my position understand my and you may not um agree with it but if you can at least understand it it can make a big difference and he said every time he's ever able to um get a res uh, resolved conflict in any competing parties is when both are willing to listen to understand each other's p position. Ooh. 
Would you do you have in mind any um, issues that the church should be aware of um, with regard to the African American community? Oh, sure. So, for example, you know, I've talked to uh, many, and I'll just leave some of them a name. I could have mentioned several several of their names. And I've, I've, I've had to do that myself, where I've listened to some to some of these older men who've been a part of the United Pentecostal Church for years. And now, grant you, I've come from a different experience than these men. So I had to be willing to listen to understand their feelings, things, the experiences that they've gone gone through, and how sometimes how difficult that for 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 for, for them to divorce themselves from those experiences, and uh, because it's so real, and sometimes when they, they they try to move away from those experiences, and they have an experience that kind of re, re you know it's like a wound, a sore, or 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 a you know like something that just um trigger that. There's triggers, and so any one of us have triggers. Something if we have a bad experience, you know, even in your in your marriage, you know, you, you, you your spouse can have triggers, and so we we should give people the freedom to be able to express those concerns. And sometimes the reason why they still even have them because no one ever take the time to really listen and understand where where they're coming from. And 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 our, and and our community, you know, there's people who have gone to, and so and here's another thing too. And sometimes, sadly, where people were saying, "Well, those things happened many years ago." Um, can I say that's not true? There's people who still have experiences today in 2023, and so it's not a yesterday or 40, 30, 20 years ago. We still have experiences today that still um, goes on. And because sometimes, in truth, and I love um, people of all cultures, but sometimes I think, you know, we have to be willing. And in truth, and I have good friends. I thank God for my friends who, who are not like this. But but sometimes I think sometimes there's people in the Caucasian community who are not willing to really listen, to understand. And, and I think the more, the more, of those communities can do that, I think the better off we are. And sometimes the truth can be said too of some in the African American community um, as well. Yeah, and, you, know, you know, in that in that same vein, I um I, I was uh, listening to a, a preacher, and he was doing a series here recently. Um, and uh, this particular minister is not necessarily a part of the United Pentecost Church International, but he is an apostolic uh, uh, preacher. And, uh, and he's not the only one. There are those who have also made similar comments um, with regard to Second Timothy 2, verse uh, 4, I believe, where it says, No man no man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And they have taken, some have taken that scripture and have said that, you know, well, in, in one part, in one sense, I agree with it, right? They say, well, uh, in the political sense, the church should not necessarily be promoting any type of uh, political agenda, whether it's Republican, liberal, Democrat, you know, whatever the case might be. Uh, but in the other sense, some will also uh, subscribe that scripture to say, well, the church should not, 
the church should be careful to involve themselves in, uh, you know, you know, for example, affairs like this, like uh, affairs where there is um, uh, apparent disparities in a particular community. Um, the church should be should be aware of uh, and careful to get involved. What what how do you what would you say to that minister or to somebody who might have that um, that mindset or, you know, are we misappropriating Second Timothy, chapter two, verse four in that regard? Yes, clearly, because the thing is, the reason why we're having this conversation is because some within the confines of the church, if they if 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 they. Uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation if people that ascribes ascribe to true Christianity would behave as Christians. The problem is that when when we have people who show favoritism, um, and you know it's not just racism. There's favoritism. There's nepotism. There's partiality. The Scripture is clear about those things. And and so so you know we're brothers and sisters in Christ. But when people um, ascribe to a certain mindset, then we, we, we're left to have these discussions because, you know, uh, people, you, you know, um, there, there's people within certain communities who think they're better than, and, you know, than, than, than others. And the, the cross of Jesus Christ put us all on the same footing. So, you know, sometimes people who say those things, they're not being as honest as I think they really are because, you know, they, they have to negate that there are sometimes issues, even sometimes it's easy for people to do that because they don't want to have the conversation. So it's easy to say those things. But truly, those sometimes those people who say those things, they're they're involved themselves in a certain political party. They still vote. They still get active in things. So I think sometimes that's disingenuous because you, 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 you have to take into to account, you know, even... In the early church, you know, Peter, um, um, Paul withstood Peter, and 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 said, "Man, you're wrong." Because when you get to your Jewish brethren, you act like you you you, you know that you know you 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 don't eat certain food, you know. So so let's be honest here. Now let me back up to a little bit to um, the. So, you know, building the bridge ministry launched in the seventies. Um, do you have any knowledge or insight into what the early receptions of the ministry were from within, you know, from, I guess, specifically from within the church, early receptions of the ministry? I think from what I get to understand, I, I wasn't there back then, but for, <laughs> but from people who I've spoken to, um, that there, that there was a real, um, movements. Um, in fact, the guy, um, Danny Brown, who was the first official director, um, he was a, a very gifted. Um, he's from New Orleans. Um, you know, um, well, you know, he was a great teacher, musician, songwriter, very gift, uh, very gifted, uh, um, in the pulpit. In fact, in, in, in 19, I believe it was in 19, um, 82 um in august it was in houston same place that we're we're going um back to um all our conference he was going to be um at the the conference if my memory serves me correct well, it was in little rock arkansas building bridge um well it was black about um, conference there at the time because the name was changed and i think 2001 but um 
he he was going to preach at general conference that same year that he had a massive um, heart attack and died. So so there was a good movement afoot. You know, there was guys like um, um, Lamont um, Arrington, which I know a lot of these guys. I've never met um, Danny Brown, um, you know, uh, Reverend George um, Coleman, um, guys like um, Richard Heard, um, no, not Richard. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Joe Perry, um, guys like, oh my goodness, my brain is going blank now a little bit here. Um, I'm sorry, like, um, Richard Allman, um, Vernon Bright, um, Sam Earl, Joe Perry, um, and guys like that, Richard Rose, and so many um, others, you know, they, these guys were very gifted. I know most of these guys that I've just mentioned their name, except for um, Danny Brown, and they were very gifted. So they, you know, they, they were making a huge impact on the fellowship. I mean, major. What what, what, what were some of their, um, and again, I know a lot of this is, is historical, but what were some of those uh, early initiatives and uh, outreach efforts uh, that you can recall um, that the ministry spearheaded? So they wanted to go into the well, one African-American community um, because, you know, remember I mentioned in, in, you know, the first black conference was held in 1978, you know, in, in, I was, it was in Houston, Texas, um, uh, where Brother James Kilgore's church, in fact, he was, he has, um, you know, put out more African-American pastors than in, in fact, there's a guy currently, I'm sure there are more, but he just came to mind and spoke to him today. Even in fact, not even about this, but he just called me about something else. I should have spoken to him about this. If I was thinking about it at the time, but, um, he, uh, Rick Sylvester, pastor Rick Sylvester, he, he, he came out of that church too. And James Kilgore more than any other pastor, as far as, in recent memory that I can think of, I put up more African American pastors than anyone else. So, um, you, you know, the late Bishop um, Urshan was instrumental in 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 because he see the need because African American community was 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 growing. They were making an impact. See, one of the things a lot of people don't realize too, in all of the church history, African American has played one a very prominent role in church history and in any church whether it's the united Pentecostal church um you know even before the 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 they they um the separation um um took place african-american were instrumental and still is to this day you know when, when you look at it in 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 preaching you know some of the best known at least as far as we 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 we, we have been told best preachers in the world has been African American songwriters, singers, musicians, you know. So African American have played a very vital role in the church and also in the in the United Pentecostal Church, even to this very day. What would you say is the um with, with that history, what would you say is um you know, or or how would you frame the importance of building the bridge in today's culture. And some of these things, I know these themes, we've probably um, sort of scratched the surface on here. Um, but just in, you know, in a, how would you, how would you um, explain or frame the the importance of building the bridge today 
in today's culture? Well, I think I think that well, one of the important thing is is for us to continue to educate um, people. Um, education, you know, because you know, provide resources, you, you know, to the United Pentecostal Church of the importance of the African American community because our community is important. Um, and you know, you know, um, your superintendent, I must say, have done a really good job, and is on the cutting edge in, in really. And you know, something he said. I listened to your podcast, the in, the, in, the interview you did um, with him. They should give. Yes, sir. And it was on point. He was just so honest and just so transparent, and and it just made a difference. But I came there last year, and he invited me to speak. My wife is going there this year to speak at the latest um, conference. But you can see the intentionality that he was is intentional. He 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 spoke of that a few times in your um, interview. Um, he's intentional, and so I think I, you, we have to help every person who's willing to listen to really challenge, to encourage them to say, you know what? Be intentional. Be intentional in your district. Be intentional in your church if you're a Caucasian pastor. Be intentional in sitting down and listening to concerns of those in your congregation that are African-American and people of color and listen because sometimes they're there and, you know, they're not doing as well as we, we think they're doing. They have concerns and if you would sit down with them, and I've said this often to a lot of people who would listen, just take the time to sit down. Don't wait till there's a these racial riots that's going on like we did back you know, not long ago, you, you know, I don't even think BLM would be in existence if the church would have done a better job in showing more inclusion, you know? I mean, BLM is a fake fraud organization. I don't believe in nothing that they believe in, but some people buy into it, and, you know, because of the issues, you know, that was going on in the community, because some, sometimes we don't take the time in truth to really listen to people. You know, I um, I, it's so true uh, to what you're saying because just shortly after, again, after that uh, that first episode uh, came out with Bishop Ginn, I had a uh, Caucasian pastor came up to me and um, and he was honest. He said, you know, I a lot of these issues and these things that were discussed, I I had no frame for, no idea really that it was really happening. Um, you know, and 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 that could be said of 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 any say pastor, white, black, or otherwise, who say maybe from the North, um, or, or, uh, for, or from areas that, um, traditionally maybe were, were perhaps more inclusive than say down here in, in, uh, in South Carolina. And so it, it, it's so important to have that again, what you're saying just to have that intentionality and that education and that listening. Right. Man, is there is, yes, sir. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Yeah, well, wait a minute. I, I, so here's another thing too. In truth, you know, it's not just the South. Sometimes I've I've talked to people who live up north in north um, um, states and cities um, that have experienced um, issues. You know, sometimes we just relegate them just just to the north. But I mean, to the south. But it's not just in the south. You know, um, there's there's been deeper issues in the south than in the north. But sometimes even the north, there's people who have concerns because people who are ignorant. You have ignorant people live in every city and every state. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and uh, ignorance is not 
biased, I guess, or ignorance is not racist. It 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 does not discriminate. It, ignorance can be both. <laughs> can come from from any culture and from any uh, any racial demographic. And and and, and we as African Americans still have to be willing to listen to to the Caucasian community. You know that that's why we we're trying to build a bridge on both you know both sides. Of course, you know of course I I did tell you that. Um, it was not called building a bridge until um, in the 2011 when the name was changed. It used to be Black Evangelism Ministries. Uh, do you have any um, idea why that changed, why the name changed? Yes, sir. Um, what I was a part of the ministry then, so I'm very acquainted with the, I mean, I've been a part of it since 1988, but um it's a lot of the Caucasian brethren felt like it was almost like offensive, um, you know, and they felt like the black image were just it it just give it like it it was stereotyping or 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 you know it just seems like the ministry was only for blacks, you know, and and so there's a lot of concerns that they have. Of course, some Caucasian pastors today told me they felt like we should have kept the name. You know, so I think there was a large conversation that was um, afoot and felt like, you know, if we change the name, then we probably could get more Caucasian participation. But um, since we have changed the name, I don't, you know, I don't think the participation has increased um, much as it did before. So it seems like the issue is bigger than a name change then. I mean, obviously, right? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, just again harping on some some of the things we've been saying and and from that excerpt I read from Brother Bernard's book you know it it's much has been accomplished in recent years but you know more um more needs to be done in that vein and so that's why this that's why a vision or a, a ministry like this exists is to hopefully continue to be that bridge to hopefully be that platform uh where these conversations can be had so to that end, what what is your vision um, as the National Building the Bridge Director? What is your vision and hope for uh, building the bridge on a national level? Sure. So I'm going to answer that question, but before I do, if I may say this, um, you mentioned Bishop Bernard a few times, and and I said to someone today that he single-handedly have done more to help this ministry than anyone else in the United Pentecostal Church, current, past. Um, and not to take away anything from any former superintendent, but I think part of why he's been so effective is that he grew up in a as a minority um, in a majority culture, and so he has a great deal of sensitivity. Um, he's very sincere. He really wants to make a difference, um, and he's making a difference. Um, he's very honest, he's very transparent, and he, he really understands culture more. And if more people take the time to understand culture, we would really advance um, this this uh, the church um, on a whole. And there's there will come a day as more people buy into his mindset and thinking that building a bridge would no need, have no need to be in existence anymore. That day has not come, um, that day sometimes seem like we we've made a lot of progress don't get me wrong but then sometimes you have situations that arise that you're like man have we digress in some respect i mean have we you know so what we are so we, we can't negate the fact that we have made tremendous progress and we have 
but we still have some ways to go and we still have to just keep educated and to your to answer your to, to the question you asked you know we we want to continue to um educate the brethren you know on cultural differences in our community and uh, and, and even and while addressing the common misleadings about our community because sometimes there's a lot of misleadings because let me say you know like I have a friend of mine said once he's a African American pastor um here in Georgia and he said he went to visit a friend and he just assumed because he's black that he eat um certain food and he had to tell him that I don't eat that you know mm -hmm. so so sometimes people just assume because you are African American you you like certain style of music you like certain foods you know are those things and i think you, you know there it you know the, you, you can't stereotype you know so um um i think my goal is to really help to uh do more educational you know and also too in fact this year at our conference we're planning to go out in the streets and when i became a part of this ministry some years ago back in the 80s we used to do that we used to have street evangelism you know and so my goal is to institute back some of those things as we go on forward to really live out our mandate, um, our mission, um, our vision is to effectively evangelize the African-American com com community. Um, you know, so we're going to do more of that is to really help also to provide educational resources to help to enhance, you know, um, the, the cultural um, competence and skills within our fellowship, you, you know. Uh, which would allow for great opportunity to share the gospel. And, you know, and then part of my goal too, you know, I would like to see us, um, you know, um, pro provide um, forums for open and honest discussions about our history, um, the, 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 the history of the African-American community and the contributions our community have made in the apostolic um, movement um, as well. You know, you, you'll love this. Uh, a pastor friend of mine here, uh, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, over the past few weeks has been doing street evangelism. You mentioned that. And the first weekend he had uh, one baptized um, in Jesus' name. Thank God. I believe the, yeah, and then this, I think the second and third weekend he had uh, one or two baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And so, you know, it, it we see those things uh, working. And I think that that, that really, and, and by the way, Orangeburg, um, you know, South Carolina, if, if you're familiar, is, a predominantly black uh, community, and so you know he he's down there and he's he's uh, he's doing that. So um, I was really when he shared that with me, I was really excited and uh, and uh, uh, worshipped with him. So thank God. And let me say one one other thing too, uh, if I may, and also to for us as a community to come together more, you know, to be more to be more unified. The African American community, we have to be more unified. If if we're going to make a difference, and if we're going to be counted, we have to stay together. We have to be more unified, and we can't allow ourselves to um, be divided. We can't allow others to divide us. And you, you know, I have seen this. You know, and I tell even some of my guys, be very careful. There's people out there who will come and try to pit us against each other they will say things but you know well you're not like so and so or, you know you're not like dave henry you're not like you know and they're trying to set you up and pitch against each other you know we we, we have to stay in guard and we have to come together uh as a as a as a group of people because together we will stand divided we will fall 
and and we we cannot allow division um in any part of our fellowship but especially i'm speaking more for the the the, the, the uh bill on the bridge that this ministry we got to come together and be together more and have a cohesiveness you know that we can be effective and because for so long we are we're we are we are divided um and we have allowed ourselves to be divided we know others even divide us we have to come together and my goal is to try to bring us more together so we can be more effective and in that in that same vein and i know we're we're uh, coming to that uh, faithful end um because i do want to be respectful of your time the the, the one thing I, I just wanted to kind of tease a little bit I, I, I you and i talked about this before i do plan to have um brother wilbur blandon on uh, here in the future uh, to maybe talk a little bit more about uh, what grass, grassroots evangelism is. And so I kind of wanted to give a little teaser here. Um, I do. So, so from the from some of the material that I have, um, just to kind of lead in and, and kind of get your response from it. I want to highlight this. It says grassroots evangelism consists of a preparation process, strategic evangelistic outreach events and post event follow up strategies that are intentional practical and measurable can you speak uh for for a little bit to that to to that initiative so yes um and of course once you have him on he would do a whole lot better job because it should that was a passion that was birthed out of him i just asked him to share it and make it a part of what we're doing so um he is better positioned to speak to that more eloquently than i would i i I, 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 so we, we embrace it. I, when he shared it uh, with me, I tell him, I said, we're going to make this a part of what we're doing. So that's his baby. So I, I wouldn't be able to do it justice because it's not, I, I, I included in what we're doing because I, when, when, when he shared it, I'm, I'm thinking this is good stuff, you know? So, um, I wouldn't be able to speak to it at the level, um, like he would. So what you have, um, have him on, I think he would speak that a whole lot more eloquent than I can. Let's um let let's talk about this year's conference, um in uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, it's going to take place June 14th through the 16th at Royal Wood Church, um in Houston, Texas. What can attendees expect at the Building the Bridge conference? So this year, um, what they can expect is one to be challenged to hopefully be changed, to be encouraged, to be impacted by the word, both preaching, teaching, singing, exhortation. We, we will have some good lady sessions. We'll have some good men sessions. We'll, we'll, we'll have our bishop will be speaking to us, and, and he's always really good at really um, helping us. Um, I'm going to try to cast um, vision you know, for um, the ministry as well. They have me on the speaking schedule. And so... And also to, you know, the men sessions, it is really up to empower our men. Also, we're having the loan fund coming um, this year. And so we'll be able to help our pastors, um, you know, that need help in uh, church loan. And even, you know, trying to encourage pastors to get involved with um, ministry with, with retirement um, fund. So um, a lot of and the youth have wonderful activities, um, the Sunday school, um, ladies for certain. So I think they can expect a powerful experience and also to hear some 
instructions of what this ministry to to hear articulation about what this ministry is all about um, as well. And uh, for those who don't know, registration is uh, now open and it has been. And um, if you have children who are 12 years and older, um, they must register. But but uh, younger than 12, they don't there, there's no need to register from understanding. So um, if they if uh, folks would like to go and register for the Building the Bridge 2023 conference, um, check out buildingthebridgeministries.com. Uh, and in fact, on the homepage, you'll see a you'll see a promotion for uh, the conference there. So I've registered my family and I were looking forward to uh, to attending and uh, and being a part. Brother Henry, just by way of one last question here, um, where can listeners go to financially support the ministry uh, nationally? The same website um, that you mentioned, um, there's a link there um, that um, would bring them right to um, the um, given, and they can just go on our website. Everything that they need about to register for the conference, hotel information, um, and worth we we have a lot more resource. All the resources that persons need is on our website. Amen. And then, um, and before we close here in prayer, uh, I just want to again thank you so much for your um, for your time, and um, again uh, agreeing to sit down with me and uh, thank the listeners as well. You know, if there's a topic that folks would like for this podcast, this platform to address. Um, you can send me an email at scbtbministries at gmail.com. That's like South Carolina Building the Bridge Ministries at gmail.com. Um, and you can also visit scdistrict.org if you want to tune in or plug into what South Carolina District is uh, is doing. So and remember to share and rate this podcast wherever you listen. That's how we get the word out. That's how these conversations are heard. Um, and that's how the ministry is one way. Rather, the ministry will have an opportunity to uh, to expand. And so with that, uh, Brother Henry, if you wouldn't mind closing us out in prayer. I just want to thank you for what you do. And um, you're doing a really good job on these podcasts, um, at least the first one I heard, and you plan to do a whole lot more. But even outside of the, the podcast, I've heard you have sat down even with your superintendent, and you're doing a really good job. And I want to thank you for taking the time to invest in, in the kingdom of God and and more importantly, directly, been in the bridge ministry, and you're doing a really good job. You ask very good questions, and um, you articulate well in your questions. And um, so, thank you for what you do, and thank you for and tell your wife. I said thank you for allowing you to serve. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> she she's serving. Actually, she's not on the podcast, but she is serving with me here, trying to keep wrangle my boys and get them. Hey, Amen. So my point. So yes. Yeah, so so thank you. Yes, sir. I'll pray. Father, we love you this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful conversation. At least I believe it was a good conversation. Bless my friend. Bless everyone that will listen, Lord. I pray, God, that you'll expand our horizon. God, expand our influence. I pray you'll grant us favor as we seek to bring glory to your name. Everything we're doing, Lord, is to bring glory to your name. Bless our time. Bless our conference. Bless our ministry. Bless this man and his family. God bless our churches in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Registration is now open for the 2023 Building the Bridge Conference in Houston, Texas. The conference will be hosted at Royal Wood Church from June 14th to the 16th, 2023. At Building the Bridge Conference, we will with love 
wisdom, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, answer tough questions, address the elephants in the room, and lead the discussions we must have. Let's lock arms and enter the fields. The harvest is ready. For registration information, please visit buildingthebridgeministries.com.